This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to get to visit with a brilliant physician. We get to visit today with Dr. Michael Peterson. And Dr. Peterson is going to tell us a little bit about sort of his career, what trends he's watching, what he's most focused on, and a lot more. Dr. Peterson, take a moment and introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about you and your career. Hi, Scott. Thanks so much for having me, and it's great to, to join you on this amazing podcast. Uh, I'm really honored. Um, uh, you know, briefly, uh, physician by training, I did about 12 years of pediatric emergency medicine in underserved communities and all various emergency departments in the St. Louis area, and then had this epiphany of how can I um, widen the aperture and tilt the camera 20 degrees to the left and still be a physician slash clinician with and, and really, instead of the uh, transactional experience uh, with patients, how can I have a bigger impact? And it sort of um, ties into my North Star of uh, trying to make a difference. Um, and so uh, got into consulting uh, on accident, if you will, and, and have been just a consultant who happens to be a physician and just really have enjoyed, um, you know, being someone who is passionate about health equity, passionate about helping patients and clinicians um, catalyze those experiences and the moments that matter for them, um, but really being a, uh, an industry lead in digital health, new models of care, um, and really talking about how can we really impact uh, outcomes uh, in the delivery of care. Thank you. And talk to us about what trends you're watching right now in digital health and technology and more. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we don't have enough time to go through everything, but, you know, the trends that I, that I think that are really exciting and, and, and we should be watching for are specifically to digital health. I think you'll see that uh, it, it's a buzzword, but you'll start to see a lot of use cases get developed around mental health and uh, access to care through various um, pieces of um, digital health experiences. I think that's going to be a key one. Um, in terms of digital health, you know, primary care is where you're starting to see 30% of your clinicians leave the rural care setting. How is and how can digital health and the convergence of retail and uh, payer slash providers, how can this convergence really uh, fill that gap? And I think it's going to be through some digital health tools and new models of care platforms. Thank you. And as you look at this rural health care universe and also the acquisition of all these primary care physicians and, and like by CVS, by Walgreens and so forth, how is there going to be enough doctors to take care of people in more rural areas? Is that going to be all driven by digital health technology? Are they going to be able to recruit people? Do we need a lot more doctors? What's that going to look like in, in five, 10 years? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question, Scott. I, I think we have to be realistic. There are not enough medical schools um, to, you know, sort of backfill the number of clinicians that are leaving and work nurse practitioners. I mean, you're going to, you can band-aid a few things, but the typical HR pyramid isn't going to work in this realm. So you're going to need um, technology, either whether it's through uh, digital tools and in these new convergence um, uh, uh, entrants, if you will, uh, stepping into the primary care game. I think what's going to happen is that as the shortage of clinicians, especially in the rural space, you're going to have to rely on some uh, a lot more telehealth. You have to get the broadband capabilities and infrastructure, which a lot of um, you know states and organizations are starting to to move towards. But how people get access to care, which is the key theme here for rural care, is access to care, uh, access to high quality care. You're going to see. I think, yes, Oak Street and, and the uh, 
CVS Aetna purchase is a great story. Uh, they'll still have to bolt that in. You won't see its impact for a little bit, but I do think you, you, we have to think of uh, other entrants um, in this space, such as Walmart Health, uh, even, believe it or not, Dollar General uh, has a potential to uh, really fill in some of that space. Uh, but in terms of the availability of clinicians, I think they're going to get smarter about who really needs to see a doctor. You know, my experience in the emergency department has always seen that not everybody that comes into that door has an emergency, but they have a need. And so understanding what those needs are going to get, I think there's going to be a more, uh, a better and improved drive to getting people to the care that they need and answer the questions that they have, uh, you know, they're curious about or they're worried about. I think that that's going to be um, a trend that you'll start to see. But, but your point is so well taken. At the end of the day, there's just not enough medical school, school spots. I mean, there's literally 20,000 a year, which 18,000 a year turn into residents or something like that. And, and compared to a 330 million person population and the aging population, there's just not enough doctors. And so, but I, I hear you on primary care and a lot of the stuff that primary care doctors do, and this is no negativity towards primary care doctors, might be able to be done through triaging technology, other people that leverage the primary care doctor and so forth and so on. So many things that it seems like are done by specialists, it, it seems harder to necessarily change that paradigm. I mean, are we in a spot where, where we're just gonna end up with utter shortages in certain areas? I mean, how does that look? I mean, in certain, you know, there's not enough cranial neurosurgeons in a lot of places, there's, there's you know, there's, probably different ways you could leverage gastroenterology gastroenterologist for colonoscopies, but are there enough oncologists or enough other specialists where there's just going to be horrendous gaps in our country? How do you see some of that playing out? Yeah, that's a, you know, uh, minus a crystal ball to really kind of understand. I do think that the trends are showing that a lot of the uh, medical students are picking uh, lifestyle uh, residencies versus, um, you know, the, the traditional uh, I came from a small farm and I'm going to head back to the rural uh, piece. To answer your question around the gaps around subspecialty care, um, I do think that you're you're just going to have, you know, I think the reality is that we're going to have some shortages in some areas. Uh, if you think about pediatric surgeons, um, it's a very small subset of uh, pediatric ophthalmologists, of, of clinicians. But I do think that you're going to have um, you, these gaps um, We'll have some, there'll be some, uh, some of the gaps being met by some, uh, what we'll call like PAs, uh, physician assistants or uh, nurse practitioners in the day-to-day -day care. And I think you'll just start to see uh, more of that being part of the care team, and especially uh, for these, some of these subspecialties. I do think that they're going to get smarter about the referral mechanisms of like who really needs to see a plastic surgeon for a very superficial cut. Uh, on the face, uh, yes, it might be the patient's wishes, but if the availability is un is not met, is not there or indicated, I think people are going to get smart about how to help um, uh, the patient at the at the end user um, perspective get, have a better uh, sort of way to consume those services. Uh, I, I don't think you know. I, I think that that's going to be the key thing, right? How do we really get the right patient to the right clinician? Uh, is going to be the sort of, I'll call it the front door aspect of that digital care has to be improved so that people aren't just consuming it just because they have access to it. No, 100%. I think that's a great perspective. And and your point, though, and at the end of the day, we're going to have some shortages and then by necessity, we're going to have to figure them out because 
once a country sees those shortages coming, it still is a multi-year track to sort of figure them out in some circumstances. And of course, we already know for specialists in many communities, if you need to find a specialist, you better know somebody, especially if you want to get in quickly. And, and, and this is a real challenging situation. We yeah, talked to a gastroenterologist yesterday, says wait list is three, four months to get in. You know, this is this is what you're seeing, and that's in you know, places that are staffed reasonably well. I can't even imagine in some of the more rural areas and some of the, the uh, you know, the, the urban areas that are so understaffed, what a challenge this is. Dr. Peters, let me ask you this question. What are you most focused on this coming year? What are you most excited about, most focused on? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks, Scott. That's a great question. I, I'm really excited about several things, but I'll just keep it simple. I think this uh, concept of this chat GPT and how that the healthcare use cases around that, I think are going to be exciting to see how that plays out. What are the sort of ethical implications? I think it's exciting to talk about how this technology is going to impact the end user, sort of the patient, how can they get access to that? But I think, you know, specifically around medical advice, uh, some patient education opportunities uh, are, are great use cases. I think we have to be mindful of that. I think another thing I'm excited about are, are really around um, the continued convergence of multi-sector partnerships between uh, nonprofits, health systems, health plans, and the retail space. I think you're going to start to see uh, that continue to grow. You're going to see some more um, mergers and acquisitions, I believe. Uh, you also see, I think, the other piece that it's exciting is, I think, the continued partnership between, especially in the health equity space, between historically Black universities and, and, and large health systems and, and technology companies. So as an example, the, the Google, Morehouse, School of Medicine, and those types of cross-industry and cross-academic um, uh, partnerships are going to be the way forward um, in terms of helping uh, educate um, more uh, Black physicians, but also give uh, these these universities the data that that you know and, and sort of the technology power that they've not had access to before. So I think that that's a huge um, opportunity. And then lastly, I think in in life sciences, I'm excited about really the real world evidence and the real world data move that especially in the retail space, uh, Walgreens, um, at CVS, Aetna, and even you know those those entities really starting to get into um, building these trusted experiences and trusted uh, data uh, opportunities to bring um, re the latest research to people who normally don't have access to them if they're not near an academic medical center. So I think that there's a really a, a lot of wonderful opportunities there. Dr. Peterson, a, a, a brilliant perspective, and I, and, I, and I love the partnership between Common Spirit and historically black colleges or medical schools as well to help bridge some of that gap as well, and that we have the shortage of minority physicians. I think a wonderful partnership, and I, I appreciate you alluding to that. Thank you for speaking to that. Thank you, Dr. Peterson, so much for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It's always a pleasure to get a chance to visit with you. Thank you very much. Scott, that's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.